You here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. What if I told you we were putting a team together? Who's we? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. This is now playing's The Avengers Retrospective Series. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Part of the now playing Marvel comic movie series. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Hosted by Arnie. I give you my word. Whatever you've heard about me, it's not true. Jacob. As far as I'm concerned, that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army. And Stuart. You say he's one of the best, but a really nice guy. What are you prepared to do? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Avengers movies. Iron Man. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. The Incredible Hulk. He was a freak accident. The goal is to do it better. Iron Man 2. Never has a greater Phoenix metaphor been personified in human history. Thor. You're big. Fought bigger. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? And ending with a weekend of release review of The Avengers. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Let me emphasize that what I'm about to share with you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the Army. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. I've always been more curious than cautious. So, are we going to do this? Gentlemen, you're up. Today we're discussing The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton. Liv Tyler, Tim Roth, William Hurt, and directed by Louis Letier. I am Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and give me a real podcast! Stuart in LA. This is Jacob, pissed off and ready for round 35. That's right, this is the 35th one. Oh. 35th in the Marvel retrospective. Wow. 35? If my math's right, it could be wrong, I'm sure one of our listeners will point it out if I am. <laughs> I feel like it could be very right. I'll tell you what, it's been a long road. But like we said before, we're now in the real movies. I mean, I think that these are the movies at the end of the day that people really think of as Marvel. Question for you right up the bat. You say Marvel Studios is responsible for all of these movies we're watching from Iron Man up to this new Avengers. Why are there other studios attaching their little logos to this? And why is Universal's attached to Incredible Hulk? Why was Paramount involved with Iron Man? Marvel Studios was a production house, but not a distribution house. Ah, so they're only getting paid to put this in the theater. They did not actually greenlight or make the movie. Correct. I think there was a distribution deal, you know, before they started shooting, and eventually Paramount became the primary one. I think this is the only universal one. And after the Disney deal, Disney paid Paramount a buttload of money so that Disney themselves could distribute the future films, starting, I believe, with Avengers. Mm. But yes, these are Marvel-produced films distributed by whoever. And then, of course, you know, the directors often have their own production houses that put logos at the front and all this various stuff. I expect we'll see a mutant enemy logo somewhere before Avengers for Joss Whedon. It's all very 
political. I didn't even realize this was universal until I was watching it. I just thought all these early ones were Paramount. Now, I did see this opening weekend in theaters. Go figure. I'm the Hulk fan, as everyone who listened to us go through copious hours of Bill Bixby heard. Or if you're still going to the Venganza Media Gazette and reading my Hulk review a day, I've spilled more ink on Hulk than I think Ferrigno spilled body paint. What about you guys? Did you see Hulk back when it came out? Yeah, I said this with Iron Man. I never like super excited when I hear about these movies, but then I just get pulled in by the hype. And I think it was something to do with Edward Norton and the way this was originally marketed. But it really felt like they were kind of going with this fight club type Hulk vibe where Edward Norton wanted to embrace the Hulk and control it. So that kind of pulled me in. I said, hey, you know what? CGI is a lot further than we were when Ang Lee took crack at it. Maybe at least it will be a good punch em up movie. So I ended up going opening weekend. I totally missed this. In fact, I couldn't have told you when it came out until I picked up the DVD case. It was so dwarfed, eclipsed by the shadow that summer of Iron Man and The Dark Knight. It was the superhero movie that you had to go hunt for. I really don't feel like it was anyone's top of the list pick. I didn't know anyone that saw it or had any strong feelings about it one way or the other. Except you, Arnie. I have to say, though, you're probably right. I've noticed over at Marvelicious Toys, I talk about Marvel collectibles every week for the past year. Hulk certainly is not an A-lister. If they're making two toys of something, they're making Iron Man and Captain America. If they're making three, they're making Thor. They have to get to four or sometimes five to get Hulk. Hulk wasn't even on the first Avengers logo they put out. And this is the lowest grossing of all the Marvel Studios films. Really? It didn't do bad, but it didn't do well. Now, I think a lot of reasons have been postulated for this. The first is people still remember Ang Lee's Hulk. It had only been five years since that. The ink had barely dried on the expiration of the rights before Marvel had this thing in production. And with the marketing, I'm not sure they did enough to really differentiate it from the original. And I'll ask you guys before we even get into it, it's obviously a reboot, but how rebooty did you feel it was? Did it feel like a completely clean break? They didn't redo an origin story. They skim over that, and frankly, I was grateful for it. Having already been through six Hulk movies, I know I didn't need it, any fans wouldn't need it, and even if you came to this fresh... I feel like they tell you enough about it. You want to just get into it. You want to find out what this character can do. At this point, I've felt like every Hulk movie we've watched, to some extent, is him dealing with the same problem he had in the first movie. I'd like to see him deal with something new. So it felt like it was going to try to go for something new, or at least that's what I was hoping for. I felt that this had a chance to go beyond an origin story, and we could treat the last movie like the first one, and this one works well enough as a part two. Yeah, it's a pseudo-sequel. They do recap. There's a machine. He gets some radiation. He becomes a monster. We don't need to spend another two and a half hours on that. So I'm glad they moved on that hopefully enough people know about the Hulk or what makes him him. We'll drop a few lines in the movie as well and just move on and get to another story. I agree. This definitely falls into my soft reboot category. 
I think that it was marketed as such so that the people who like you and I, Jacob, going into this, we've read the interviews, we know it's a reboot, we know it's a break. The people who are casual fans and just going to see this because it looks like it has a good trailer or they're looking for something to do or they remember seeing Bill Bixby in syndication that one time aren't going to remember the first movie enough to notice the differences. I mean, the first movie ends with Eric Bana in South America. This movie begins with Edward Norton in South America. And I think that's just right with the idea. I think that you don't really want to treat that last movie like some pariah that's never to be mentioned. I mean, honestly, I didn't recommend it, but there was a lot of interesting attributes to it, and it really wasn't an embarrassment. It may not have worked, but it wasn't something to be shunned. So yeah, the fact that you could see it as a tie, even though it's different actors, and even though some location and a few minor details change. Nothing major is different about the setup that would make you unable to go with it if you love the last movie. The other reason I think this movie may not have done well is it was very public. Even the people who didn't know if it was a reboot or not knew there was a major fight between Marvel Studios and Ed Norton about this film. And even up to two to three weeks before its release, people didn't know what scenes would and wouldn't be in the film and what cut we were going to get to see. That feels like almost every Edward Norton movie anymore these days. The guy just sort of dropped off my radar. I mean, I feel like Ed Norton is a good actor. I'm not sure he's a great writer. And I feel like in the last 10 years, he's tried to go beyond creating a character for the screen to creating a character's story and screenplay. And you see time and again that he gets his hands dirty in the script. Maybe it's to the betterment. I don't know. I only saw one version here. I presume there's a Norton cut and maybe a regular cut? I kind of wish they ended up excising about 50 minutes from this movie. This movie clocks in at 155 already. The Norton cut was almost three hours long. Oh, my God. And it was what he fought tooth and nail over. And as we go through this movie, I'm going to discuss some of the changes with you guys. I've read the movie novelization by famed Hulk writer Peter David. You can hear me review that at Marvelicious Toys. I've seen all the cut scenes that are available on the Blu-ray, figured out where they splice in. We can discuss which cut you guys might have preferred and see if you agree with Ed Norton or if you agree with Marvel Studios. And I say Marvel Studios instead of Louie because Louie really comes off to me like a hired gun for this one. It really was Marvel Studios who I think in reaction to Ang Lee's film, they wanted it tight. They wanted it action. They didn't want character moments. And I'll tell you, there is maybe 10 seconds of footage cut that was Hulk. The rest of it was all humans talking. Yeah, that was the big beef about the Ang Lee one, was people said it was way too much talking, way too much psychodrama, way too much arty pretentiousness, and people wanted less pathos and more Hulk smash. So it's not my position. I may have enjoyed a three-hour cut if the drama was on point, but I wouldn't blame the studio for being nervous about releasing that movie. And I don't want to imply that Louis had no power. Louis was very much in control of the artistic vision here. When he was approached, he initially said no, because he thought they were doing a full sequel to Ang Lee's film. He's like, I'm not the director for that. But when they told him they wanted it to be a break, they wanted it to be more action-y, he went to them and said, here's my vision of Hulk. I love the Bill Bixby TV series. I want to make it 
like that. And he came back with the ideas and Marvel Studios was still pretty young and they were like, sure, go ahead, do it. So this is very much Louis's vision of the script and of the way it was framed and shot. But Norton also directed several scenes and yes, his hands were deep in the script. So I, I find it funny that in the battle between Norton and the studios, Louis was nowhere to be found. He just, I guess, was happy to move on to the next film. The check had cashed. He's moving on. <laughs> Clash of the Titans. All right, Arnie. Well, why don't you give us the version that we did see? Give us a plot. Bruce Banner is on the run, hiding out in Brazil, working at a soda bottling plant while corresponding online with a mysterious Mr. Blue, who's trying to help him find a cure for the gamma poisoning that causes Banner's transformation into the Hulk. But when a drop of Banner's blood gets in a soda bottle and it's drunk by an old man, Banner's old nemesis and former boss, General Ross, sends a commando team led by ace soldier Emil Blonsky after the scientist. Of course, nothing can stop the Hulk. Banner hulks out, killing several soldiers and leaving Ross empty-handed and Blonsky in awe. You see, in this incarnation, Banner's transformation was not an accident. Banner was working under Ross on super soldier experiments handed down since the age of World War II and Captain America. Specifically, Banner was working on a formula that could protect soldiers from radiation. Funding was being pulled, so Banner experimented on himself, and the result was him turning into the Hulk. He hurt his girlfriend in his first Hulk out, lab partner Betty, and then he broke General Ross's arm caused wanton destruction, and now Ross has hunted for five years to capture Banner to study him and be able to replicate the Hulk in American soldiers. Ross had continued the research after Banner left, and he has a new serum that Blonsky readily volunteers to test as he wants a second go-round with the Hulk. Banner wants to just be rid of the Hulk, but Mr. Blue says he needs the data on Banner's initial exposure to cure him. So Banner heads back to the States to his old lab at Culver University, where he reunites with Betty and meets Betty's new boyfriend, psychiatrist Leonard Sampson. But Sampson drops a dime on the fugitive and Ross's men again attack, this time with a super Blonsky on their side. But Hulk gets the best of them and Banner and Betty run to Mr. Blue in New York. Mr. Blue, real name Samuel Stearns, performs an experiment that appears to rid Banner of the Hulk. But then Bruce and Betty discover Stearns is not only working on a cure, but also a way to replicate Bruce's power. And before Bruce can convince Stearns to stop his research, the army attacks again, this time finally capturing Bruce and Betty and beginning to interrogate Stearns about his research. Still unhappy with his level of power, Blonsky forces Stearns to give him Banner's power, but due to the previous experiments, Blonsky becomes the Abomination, a Hulk-like creature with bones growing on his outside. Abomination starts rampaging through the streets of Harlem, and Bruce realizes the only one who can stop Blonsky is the Hulk, willingly jumping out of a helicopter, hoping to, quote, aim, unquote, Hulk at Abomination, Banner transforms once more. A major brawl ensues with the army and Hulk teaming up against Abomination, and in the end, Hulk smashes Abomination, but at the last minute, Betty stops Hulk from choking Abomination to death. Hulk runs off into the night, leaving Betty alone once more, and we see Banner in British Columbia meditating and transforming into the Hulk again, while Tony Stark, Iron Man, approaches General Ross about a special team being put together, and credits roll. So that is the movie, and right away, I'm going to start talking about a scene you guys didn't see. <laughs> I imagine there's quite a few. 
they're mostly in between the time that Banner gets back to the States and Banner has the fight at the Culver University. But there is one big scene right here in the beginning that I remember fans were devastated to lose because going in, everybody knew this scene had a cameo by Captain America. And it's Bruce Banner in the Arctic going out alone, climbing mountains, climbing these mountains, getting to the edge of a cliff, and then pulling out a gun to commit suicide. <laughs> you have to go to the end of the world to pull the bullet? You can't do that on the beach? <laughs> well, come on. That bullet hits him. He might hulk out and start smashing things. He's just being cautious. Depending on how it was filmed and acted and all that, I don't think it's a bad way to go with what they could have done with this character. That would seem like a very Ang Lee move to make. Yeah, it's definitely not a hero. If you're trying to sell the upside, then I don't know. I don't know that that's any more audience-friendly than what Ang Lee was doing. I have a feeling Marvel Studios agreed with you. They felt that an opening scene with a hero trying to kill himself, and he was ready to go through with it, Hulk stops him, of course. And he doesn't even get to pull the trigger. Just when he gets close to pulling the trigger, Hulk takes over and is like, no, you're not killing me. Hulk then causes an avalanche, which unearths Captain America's body from the ice. Why is Captain America in ice? Oh, that's right. He got shot on the missile. I remember that movie. Why would they keep continuity with that? Wrong continuity, Stuart. (laughs) That's the only Captain America I know. That or he's, you know, hanging out in Venice, painting a cat or an old lady. That was the opening scene. It was fairly well acted. It was really gorgeous. It had Captain America, but it doesn't tie to anything in the rest of the movie we see or the movie we don't. So I could see why it would be cut if they're going for economy. Did they actually get Chris Evans in the block of ice, like filming for a day or something? Or Chris Evans hadn't even been hired and it was literally blink and you miss it. Ah. But during the shot of the cliff right before Hulk, who you only get to see a hand because they're teasing us with Hulk in this movie. But mm-hmm. just before Hulk brings down an avalanche, you can barely see in a block of ice a shape of a blue figure and very clearly see his shield. Ah. Because keep in mind, after Hulk, there were no movies for two years. This was Marvel's first salvo out with a one-two punch of Iron Man and Hulk. But they weren't ready for anything else. And they went the next year without anything, and then the year after that, we only had Iron Man 2. So they didn't even know who would play Cap or Thor or any of it. It was still, at that point, a pipe dream. I didn't even think they'd really be able to pull it off, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. If Iron Man had failed and Hulk had underperformed, then there probably would have been no more of this. And everything that they were building for might have been a web video at best. But they did not know in 2008 that they could build what they built this year. This actually took place before the opening credits? I believe so. In my mind when I'm watching this, I'm like, could I do a Phantom Hulk edit? Could I take all these scenes and make the Edward Norton cut? And I believe I could. And the way that the avalanche comes at the camera and then cuts to black, I believe was supposed to lead directly in to the opening credits. And a suicide attempt might be appropriate by this Hulk because he is violent and we get that right away in these opening credits where this is the first time he experimented on himself and Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk and he beats the crap out of his girlfriend. Like, this is not the Bixby Hulk that he could 
subconsciously control it against the innocent people. This is a violent, violent Hulk, and it kind of bothers me. I don't know. I'm kind of happy about it after Ang Lee's G.I. Joe-like every single soldier parachutes to safety. I was kind of glad to see Hulk smash. I mean, I understand you don't want him to smash innocent people, and the army under General Ross's command is quasi-innocent, but it is shocking that he smashes Betty, and I wish that that was more explored. I mean, we just get this in a montage, an opening credit scene that I think is directly taken from Bill Bixby. We have Norton in the chair, we have the flashing danger sign, we have the x-ray of the skull, but it's interspersed with things we need, like General Ross overseeing Betty at the window. And then, yeah, Betty gets hurt and is, like, hospitalized, and Hulk is over General Ross, breaking his arm. He presumably could have killed him. And I wish that they had explored this a little more so I knew, did Hulk mean to hurt Betty, or was Hulk just careless breaking through a wall and Betty got hurt? Things like that. It's interesting. I had none of these thoughts that you guys are projecting into this. I just presumed he turned into a Hulk and it was a big explosion that injured everyone. I was expecting something that was very different from Ang Lee. If Ang Lee had been hired back, he'd want to explore the Freudian tension of the girlfriend relationship and whether he secretly wanted to hurt her. I think that this is all just a way of showing that Hulk is dangerous when he transforms and therefore needs to go into hiding. I would agree with you if there wasn't that one shot of Hulk's hand reaching after General Ross and him cowering in fear and then another shot of him all bandaged. Well, General Ross is a jerk. I'm okay with them getting hurt. <laughs> they were still friends at this point. Look, I don't have a problem with a super violent Hulk if the story supports that. And I felt like there was elements where it was about Bruce Banner trying to gain control of the Hulk and not be so angry. I just don't think that was fleshed out very well. Maybe there were some cutscenes that had to do with that. But if you wanted to explore that, that's fine. I just don't feel the movie lived up to that as it went on. I agree. And during those scenes, that's not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on especially my very first time watching it and now watching it having watched about 65 hours of the incredible hulk tv series just how much this is evoking the hulk tv series and that yes i still say that is the definitive hulk and norton is trying to stand in bixby's long shadow yeah, it's the Hulk that everyone knows, and I definitely feel it's the obvious touchstone that they're going to. I don't know the comic book character, but from what you guys have described, it doesn't necessarily feel like they went for that. They certainly are very shy about going back to Ang Lee territory. Yeah, this is an adaptation of the TV show. Yeah, I didn't have to watch all those hours that you have already. I just had to watch a few really bad movies. but Really bad. I- I never realized, because I hadn't revisited all that Bixby stuff when I saw this originally, now having seen all that, man, that first maybe 30 minutes of this feels like maybe it was a 30-minute episode of one of the TV shows where you got that same machine, that same feeling as that pilot, and then we jumped to working in this bottling factory, being undercover. Like There were so many elements that felt like they were from the TV show. Truthfully, and I love it. I mean, I think that is the right choice, and I love that they went global with it. He went to Brazil. He didn't just go to Nebraska or Utah. Upstate California? (laughs) (laughs) Think bigger. (laughs) 
You got big feet. Run. Go somewhere. I'm totally with it. Although I've got to say, setting it right away at the favelas in Brazil, the movie unfortunately makes a comparison to City of God, which it does not do favorably. 2003, it was an excellent movie about gang violence in a city like that Ed Norton ends up here. And it's so amazingly shot and dynamic and all. I think they really wanted to conjure that world. And I was excited about the prospect of Hulk yeah, fighting street gangs like I had seen in that movie five years prior, but no such luck here. It's just sort of where we start the story. It's not really where the story is going to take place. I won't say that it's completely accidental as everybody sees everything and is inspired by everything, but what I got out of this was very much kind of a Jason Bourne type feel. You've got Norton on the run, hiding from a shadowy government agency, traveling the world in doing so. Some of the action scenes we're going to get later on, the chase scenes that take place in the favela, scream born to me. Yeah, no, that's a good comparison. I think you're probably right. And Ed Norton has sort of a Matt Damon vibe, that boyish athletic thing going for him. Yeah. And I do enjoy these little scenes of him in Brazil. You know, we've had Ed Norton on the show before. We've reviewed him in Red Dragon last October in one of our brief Marvel breaks. Yeah, my feelings about him then are the same now. He's later into his career at this point. He's had basically what I would call his unpopular phase. (laughs) Ever since Red Dragon, he just almost willfully seems to be taking projects in which he can have more creative control and thus aren't big studio films. And I saw a few of them, you know, Illusionist and Painted Veil and 25th Hour. I felt like it was the calcifying of a pretty good actor that he... He kind of got into a rut. My problems with Ed Norton and Red Dragon are the same here, that he is even more that sort of stagnant, hard-to-relate-to actor at this point. I mean, I have trouble seeing this guy as empathetic. I enjoyed Norton's performance in this more than Red Dragon. Red Dragon, he felt very flat to me here. He's a stranger in a strange country. It worked for me. I mean, I don't know if maybe he was the best person to pick for Banner, or at least the way he played it isn't the best. Again, maybe because I'm going back to Bixby, and compared to Bixby, this guy's, you know, Sylvester Stallone Rambo, you know, (laughs) doing jujitsu and and learning karate at the beginning. But if they played the character right, it, it would work. I just don't know if they gave Banner the right characterization for Norton to play him. Norton, as an actor, I feel like he got pigeonholed early as the sweet-looking choir boy that's actually the devil inside. You know, from Primal Fear on, that's what he's been playing. People that have an inner rage that's unexpected. But truthfully, you'd think that's a perfect match for Hulk. But the fact of the matter is, I rarely think of him as an intense or angry actor. I feel like even when he is playing evil, it is contained. It is in a way that he is not going to let his pulse quicken. So the struggle for rage is not something that I normally see Ed Norton project. And that may be why I'm feeling like he's an odd choice for Bruce Banner. But this also, to me, feels like a different Banner than I've ever seen before. I agree on both counts. I think, honestly, casting him is almost too on the nose because of Fight Club and because of Primal Fear. But by the same token, yes, it is a new banner being played a new way. And I'm kind of open to that. I like seeing a smart, savvy banner who's taking multiple approaches to a problem. He's learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu to try to control his pulse. He's scientifically figured out 200 beats per minute means I'm hulking out. He wears the monitor and does everything to control it. But he's not just doing that. He's also working with the mysterious Mr. Blue 
and trying to keep to himself. I like this banner off the bat. It helps that I like Norton. I find him charismatic and the scenes where he's watching Sesame Street and talking to his dog. I smile. I like his on-screen presence, whatever I see him in. Well, yeah, I think that would help if you do have a natural goodwill towards the actor. Like I said, I feel like he works in roles where he is cast for that type. Here, this is the first time I feel like we have a Banner that's not tortured. You know, Banner had his daddy issues, and that defined the Ang Lee movie. And Bixby, it was always a girlfriend problem setting him off. Two dead wives. <laughs> Here, I mean, what's Banner's beef? There really isn't one. There isn't anything that's making him upset. It's a medical problem. It's if I let my heart rate accelerate, I'm going to change into this thing. And it creates a different set of problems. No sex, and I'm not sure that he can do any aerobic exercise. <laughs> but it's not torture. It's not the pathos that we've had in other Banners. Ah, one of the cutscenes shows him that he can run for great distances and keep his pulse rate below 90. It is part of his jujitsu training. Yeah, see, I don't mind Ninja Banner Hulk. That could be a cool idea, and I think Norton is the right person in theory to play this Banner that wants to control it. Stuart, you complained over and over that Banner should be able to bring out the Hulk whenever he wants. That it shouldn't be just when he gets mad, and that's what I see Norton's Banner doing here, is trying to control it and bring it out when he wants or suppress it when he wants, and I don't think that's a bad direction to go. I just don't think they emphasize it enough throughout this film. No, well, it's where we start here. He is learning to control it. He does not have control of it, and he is still working to arrest eradicate it. That is the preferred thing to do, is that he would like to be cured. He's looking for that with this man that he IMs with, but at the end of the day, he's learned to live with this condition and adjust it. And I, yeah, I, he, that makes him an active character. That makes me like him more, and I agree. I think that it is a strange way to come in with Hulk, but I'm open to it. Also, we've been referencing Bill Bixby a lot. I have to give a shout-out to his cameo when Ed Norton is watching TV in Brazil. They find a scene from the courtship of Eddie's father, and there's Bill Bixby paying the homage to him, as they will a couple other actors and creators later on. Uh, this isn't the only time they make cute reference to old Hulk stuff. I feel like this movie is replete with lots of in-jokes. They're just always pointing to you to remind you of your childhood Hulk. And no reminders of Hulk dogs or Nick Nolte <laughs> or anything like that. They've added a new element to all of this. Now Norton's blood is... It is the super serum, isn't it? I couldn't quite figure this out. You guys tell me, is he poisoned now? Is this a blood communicable disease? That's sort of what I got off of this when we find out that he's actually contaminated a soda. Yeah, Arnie, didn't you say that they were going to do this with She-Hulk in the TV series and she's going to get a blood transfusion and she would Hulk out because of it? It just seems weird. This is like the most unsanitary <laughs> bottling factory. This stuff usually goes through like UV rays to get any last contaminants out in this. Does it really? Because I never wanted to drink soda again after this. If you tell me it goes through UV rays, Jacob, I will believe you and then drink a soda. There's all kinds of sterilization and pasteurization, all that kind of stuff to make sure the final product is good. You know, you hear those stories every once in a while. A finger ends up in a can of soda. Yes, that does happen. It just seems weird that a few drops of blood would cause Stan Lee to... To what? Get sick? To Hulk out? I don't know what happens to him. I really thought we'd get a scene kind of like in Star Trek 4. The soda fixed my kidney! Or something like that. But no, we just see him drop the bottle and we hear he gets a bigger jolt than he expected and that's what turns about it's the stan lee cameo but i think that it needed a little more explanation 
Yeah, I remembered this scene as him, like, we see him Hulk out a little bit. But no, that doesn't happen. That was just imagination. That was me trying to make this film better. <laughs> because <laughs> someone got a stomach ache, so now the military's going to tie that to Bruce Banner? It doesn't make sense. By making it the Stan Lee cameo, you've told us that this is just a punchline and don't worry about it. This is not going to come back. If it had been played by another actor, it would have been a plot line that we would have wanted to see followed through. What is happening to this guy? Is he going to be like Abomination? Knowing that it's Stan Lee, I'm not thinking about the character again. I hesitate to even call him a character. <laughs> but it does open up a whole bunch of questions for me about what is Ed Norton's blood. Is it a potential to turn all of us into Hulk beasts? That's what I don't quite know and to what extent it's all very confusing and throughout the movie they return to this blood storyline but it was never clear in the cut that i watched exactly how it worked in the original script they didn't know this would be the stan lee cameo there was an entire scene of two boys and one boy drank it and went into a coma okay and he never came back as anything that's what makes this hard to understand is because this is how the military this is how general ross figures out that banner is in brazil because they somehow tie this food poisoning to the Hulk. If no one hulks out from it, if they just get sick, how do you tie that to Bruce Banner? But yes, now Ross is on the hunt. Ross, William Hurt, the accidental general. That was a sigh. <laughs> Does William Hurt depress you? He kind of depresses me. I don't know. It's William Hurt is, like many actors in this cast, a very credible and capable and respected thespian who does not truly get me that excited. I don't see him as necessarily a negative or a positive. He is a tool that can be used effectively, but has never been a particularly charismatic or likable person. I mean, he kind of got his reputation in the 80s as being the yuppie you love to hate or hate to love, depending on your take on it. But broadcast news and the doctor. Big Chill, one of my favorites. Big Chill. Yeah, I always think of him as basically an asshole. And here, <laughs> well, he's still an asshole. But what's he doing here? I always get him as an actor with theater. And so when he does Lost in Space and this, I'm always like, is the rent due? <laughs> what's even more funny is when he does press material for those kinds of movies. I wish he would be more honest with himself and say, yes, the rent was due. No, he's <laughs> always like, no, I was thinking about King Lear when I put on Sam Elliott's mustache. I mean, all he did was take the mustache <laughs> out of the prop shop. Why not get Sam Elliott back for this? Honestly, I think I enjoyed him more. I agree completely. Elliot was Thunderbolt Ross incarnate. I loved him in that last movie. I wish they'd brought him back. But they had to sever all ties. It was a Marvel mandate. No one could come back. Louie talks about that in the commentary. They couldn't find anyone for Betty. They wanted Jennifer Connelly back. And Marvel's like, you can't get Jennifer Connelly back. Wow. And the reason for that being because another studio made that movie? No, and the reason being, they want no ties to Ang Lee's disappointing box office. Oh, wow. They're that ashamed of it. Come on, guys. It really wasn't that bad. But back to Hurt, I don't understand what he's doing here. And I just love the fact that when he showed up on set, he brought with him a 100-page typed essay on who the character of Thunderbolt Ross was. And before every scene, he would reference the essay to ensure it was consistent. <laughs> wow. 
props to actors that put in that dedication. I like to know that people take those kinds of roles seriously. I'm not seeing the result of that here. I don't get that he's a particularly interesting character. I don't feel like the dynamic is the same. In the last movie, you saw that Sam Elliott was tied in with Banner's father. Is that still consistent here? Are we in that universe? That's thrown out. Nobody wanted that. That's so improbable. Okay, well, it may be improbable, but at the same time, it made me believe that there was stakes here and relationships between characters. And a big problem I'm going to have with most of this movie is when people battle and all of that, I feel like they don't really know each other. They're fighting because, well, that's what the script is telling them to do, but it's not really motivated out of any particular relationship. The characters don't even spend that much time in the same scene together. And I don't know what Ross wants out of Norton other than to get his blood, I guess. Yeah, he wants the Hulk. He wants to make super soldiers. And he is very covetous of Banner's blood for that reason. But he could, you know, just get a pint of it and be like, see you later, right? I mean, the fight of it is not, I dislike you, which is kind of more of what I got in the last movie. Here, it's more of just like, no, I dislike that you're withholding this weapon from me. You're hitting it on the head for me. What my problems with this is throughout this entire movie, things happen and I'm not really sure why. That's why I'm wondering about this three-hour cut, because there's just seems so many little character moments, little relationships that you need to string this all together to make it more coherent have been removed in order to keep the action going. Yeah, it's a theme. We'll hit on this note for me again and again. In a movie all about anger and losing control, I'm just not feeling any of that between what I would imagine to be primary characters here. The good guy trying to flee and the bad guy that's chasing him. I agree with you at certain points in this movie i disagree at others with ross i just get the impression that first of all he's an asshole like you say and second of all that it became personal because for five years he's been hunting banner and consistently been shown up by the guy it's become a personal vendetta an obsession banners his white whale mm. Okay, well, because of that was handled in montage, that's what we lose. I didn't get the sense that he'd been looking all these years. I didn't see the toll of that. We don't have any time to learn that. It looks like more like, hey, within 10 minutes, you pricked your finger into a soda bottle, and now William Hurt has something to do. And that's some more deleted scenes as William Hurt on the military base, William Hurt with his troops, discussing how the Hulk killed several of his troops during the first breakout, killed some Canadians. I mean, he goes on and on about how he's been chasing the Hulk and the Hulk kills people and Ross continually screws up finding him. See, that's important. That should have stayed in here. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the kind of connective material that makes the difference between making a generic by the numbers movie and a movie where you're invested. I'm not invested in this relationship. Okay, so score one for Norton. Yeah, he fought for these inclusions? Yes. Also, I guess it's General Ross's boss back on now playing. And I still don't know his name, but yes, <laughs> that guy, that cool guy. I like him. <laughs> Every time I see him, I go, oh, it's the guy they wanted for Black Bond, but I don't know who he is. <laughs> the actor's name is Peter Mensa. Mensa gets his golden headphones here. It's his third trip back after Jason X and Punisher Warzone. Does he have a bigger part in the movie I didn't see? Yeah, he's constantly chewing Ross out for screwing up and for continuing to perform illegal experiments, which is why I think he's his boss, even though they're both generals. <laughs> and as they're headed to Brazil, we are introduced to our last main character, Emil Blonsky, the Russian. Wait, 
No, not Russian. Russia, but raised in England? <laughs> <laughs> it's Tim Roth. It's Mr. Orange. <laughs> Which is good, because we got a blue and a green already in the film. Yeah. Didn't even think of that. Yet another actor that I think of as being very credible, very good, very appealing in certain things, but in general, doesn't make my pulse quicken. I mean, I could take or leave Tim Roth a lot of times, and here, I don't necessarily think of him as my first choice go-to as a mercenary killer. It seems strange casting to me, but I mean, I think of him, I do think of Mr. Orange, Honey Bunny, and Four Rooms. I mean, all the Tarantino stuff. I have to go to IMDb to remember he also did Planet of the Apes and things like that. I wonder, though, at times if these people just were who's available. That's a name. People know Tim Roth. People like Tarantino. Who cares if it's the right casting choice? Well, looking at the last movie, none of those other people, with the exception of maybe Gwyneth, was a A-lister go-to get. I mean, everyone was sort of second-run tier hot, but not a superstar yet. You catch them at the right moment. You want to assemble a cast that's good and that can become great and stars in a star-making part. So I think the formula is not so dissimilar from Iron Man, but last time I felt like everyone was there to party, and here, everyone's kind of here to sulk and yeah do shakespeare i mean that's kind of the hulk it's about anger and repression but i just don't feel like roth i should like roth i usually like him when i see him in a movie he just comes off bland here everyone just comes off bland and i don't know if it's because they're cutting those scenes where their characters are actually developed or if it's the director just not knowing how to direct i don't know what it is but everyone just seems like they put on a costume that day and got in front of a camera there are more scenes of roth i don't think that they necessarily make Roth any more likable. I kind of like him in this movie. I get him. I enjoy his character, even though I don't entirely understand the arc. There's some deleted scenes, there's some extended scenes, but it doesn't change what you get out of it, in my opinion. Oh, I think the character is very relatable. In fact, in many ways, I feel this character is me. I've been the one for all of these Hulk episodes saying, why can't someone appreciate Hulk for what he should be rather than always trying to destroy him and it was frustrating to always see the person afflicted with hulkism wanting to get rid of it here's the guy that actually is coveting it he can't wait to become the hulk he looks up to it i think that that's a very relatable and seductive villain on paper this looks very good my problems are specifically about the way that tim roth spends every scene kind of in a cold sweat looking two feet shorter than everyone else and not happy to be there. It's sort of just a weird way to create our villain. And it takes an incredibly long time for him to arc. He does have one, but they wait until the damn end to make him be what he's going to be. Well, I think they get there. I think he evolves. I don't think that it's flat and then spikes at the end. You say he's unhappy to be there, and that's funny because out of this entire goddamn cast, he's the only one who stuck around to the end with Louis. He's the only one. He did all the mocap himself. He did everything. It's like he had no place else to go. I don't know if he'd just gotten a divorce, but... So, so he's actually going to be doing when they do the CGI stuff to him at the end. He actually played that character as well. Yep. Norton did not do Hulk. They did the facial expressions. It was very cool stuff. But Tim Roth did the body. I think Ed Norton definitely did Hulk, but he was tearing up Universal Studios. <laughs> 
So Blonsky, I know he's supposed to be the villain in this movie. Does he come off as the villain, though? I know he becomes a monster at the end, but is this the person we're supposed to be in fear of the whole time? I think because he's with Blackwater. You know, he's with this dark ops thing. We're supposed to not like these guys. It's just shorthand. We don't really know why or prove they're there to do a job, and they're using trank darts and not going to kill anyone, but still, they are perceived from the get-go as the villains, and he's supposed to be the baddest of them all, or maybe not. I don't know. He's the oldest. William Hurt identifies him as someone approaching 40 and have not achieved his potential. I guess that makes him a sympathetic, but definitely a villain. Yes. I don't feel like we are ever supposed to quote unquote like him. No, I don't think we're supposed to like them. I got the feeling that these were generic bad guys and he was a little less generic than the rest of them. I never got that. I was supposed to worry about him to think that he was going to be the big threat to the Hulk. Here's the thing, and I think Marvel may uh, agree with us on this. I like him as a badass in this. I think he is a good badass, but he never does anything other than trank a dog to make us (laughs) think of him as bad. (laughs) When you put it that way, no, it's absolutely true. uh, Yes, if uh, this early scene, 20 minutes into the movie, when we finally get our big set piece in Brazil, I needed to believe that he was... Physical, commanding, the toughest one of the whole bunch. And I didn't see really much evidence of that at all. I got that he was the toughest. I did from these early scenes, mainly because he lives, for one thing. I mean, Hulk smashes the others. He kills thugs who work at the plant. He throws some of the people into a wall and I presume smashes their spine. In a cutscene, we see them in body bags. So Hulk is killing everyone. Roth lives. So that right there shows he's pretty damn good. I get competent out of him. And now I'm taking these scenes when they're running over the roof as Bourne versus Bond. To me, Roth is Bond. He's working for a shadowy government agency. He's British. Russian British. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably right. They were probably trying to evoke Casino Royale's big parkour chase scene. I thought that this scene was a letdown, given the fact that it was clearly why we were here in Brazil and why you said it in this favela is you're going to do something awesome here. And why you hire a director like Louis Letier is that he is an action man's director. You know, Statham and him made a fairly cult series with Transporter. This should be an awesome moment when Tim Roth is chasing Edward Norton through this crowded, overgrown world of poverty. It should be just this visual stimulating amazing moment and it is no it's not it is is. if you saw city of god you would know they didn't use this location for a tenth of its potential i love this chase i think it's kinetic i think it's action-packed i love the camera movements down the alleyways i love that it's a chase i love the running of it i am into this and enjoying it especially the banner parts i love all the banner chase stuff when he hulks out I don't like what they do with it. But when it's the commandos chasing Banner and Banner climbing down the window and all of that and running through the sheets, I'm having a good time. This is fun action. Good or great? Good. Okay. All right. Then we're not that far off. I'm having an okay time. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying I'm surprised it's not great. Having not seen City of God, this was all new to me, and I loved it. And probably half the people in the scene share my last name. So I was down. 
<laughs> I like that it's a location shoot, and it does feel mostly real. It doesn't feel like a lot of sets. This isn't a back lot. I appreciate that. I presume they went to a South American country and rigged this up. I doubt they went to an actually favela, did they? Yes, they did. Wow. Well, I'm definitely props to that, and I'm sure that was difficult to do because you'd almost have to do it guerrilla style. God knows if you took a Hollywood production into somewhere like that. Who knows if you'd get your cameras back? So I like the helicopter shots. I like that it felt authentic. I don't know. Maybe it's that I'm not connected to the characters. Maybe it comes down to that. But this scene was fine. But I was hoping at this point, 20 minutes in, for spectacular. I liked it well enough until he turns into the Hulk. And then they do that whole thing where we're not going to show you the Hulk. God damn it. We saw the trailer before we walked in here. We've seen the Hulk. Why are you doing this? Well, I hadn't, just to be fair. <laughs> I had not. You didn't look at the DVD cover? Yeah, no, he's on the cover of the box. So, I mean, yes, they got to be coy. What's he going to look like? What's he going to be? They got to do it. How else are you supposed to do it? Are you supposed to say, here I am and no big deal? I mean, I feel like you got to tease it a little, right? You also have to sell the believability. And if you show a hand and show a foot and convince us bit by bit that it's real, then when you show us the giant CGI cartoon, we're not going to laugh, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's come a long way in five years. This is, we can all agree, better, more tactile than what Ang Lee did five years ago, right? Absolutely. As far as CGI characters go, I think this Hulk is up there. Not all his movements are right, but the stuff they did with the facial expressions and the skin and things, they did a really good job. It's not as good as Iron Man, though. This feels like it was made on a cheaper budget than Iron Man, where I really couldn't tell when it was fake. But here, it's a lot better. And I do want to call out, I did like the transformation where they totally did the Bixby thing on Norton and focused in on his eyes. They weren't the white contacts, they were more green. But having seen all that Bixby stuff recently, I like that they did that callback. I think I might have applauded in the theater when I saw it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it was the right thing to do. When we finally do get a take a look at him, I accept it. It's fine. They have not created something that looks totally realistic. There's something painterly and computer animated about him, but he is computer animated. So uh, they're just not able to fool us yet with flesh. And I think, you know, you saying that Iron Man looks better. Well, Iron looks better replicated in CGI than flesh does. I think that that's just a continual problem. Those Pixar movies. I always like it when they're bugs or toys more than when they look like flesh and blood humans. It's just some things don't transfer as well in the CGI medium. This Hulk seemed more threatening than Ang Lee's Hulk did to me. This one very much seems more dangerous, not just because he beat the crap out of his girlfriend at the beginning of the film. He just seems like a more out-of-control character that he has that angst and he's almost able to express it, which makes him even more dangerous. He's not this wild animal, but he's something that understands how angry and strong and how he could destroy everything around him. And he's trying to warn those people to get away from him and leave him alone. I think I would be getting more of what you're talking about, Jacob, if they didn't set us up with the villain we want to hurt. You know, I think they're a little trepidatious about watching U.S. soldiers get the crap beat out of them by Hulk. It might make us not like Hulk. That certainly is a dicey proposition. So they create these phony local bad guys that, for no discernible reason, push Ed Norton into lockers when he's at the soda factory and are harassing beautiful women and are ugly and therefore worthy of our disdain. That, to me, sort of takes away from Hulk's threatening quality, because, of course, we want Hulk to beat up those guys. But then he continues with the soldiers. Yeah, but it dilutes the impact. 
That's all I'm saying is that I feel like this was more about him getting revenge on co-workers that weren't nice than it was about these elite squad of badasses who represent the most powerful might of the U.S. Army, and even they can't put a dent into this monster. And again, a hybrid. I mean, the army chasing him is Ang Lee, and the co-workers punching him in the stomach is Bill Bixby. But it's over far too quickly, and Banner wakes up in Guatemala. I just find it funny that they think American audiences know their geography well enough to know that this is like a different place that he's at. (laughs) I was sure he was in the rainforest. I was like, that would be cool, but this guy can run. I like that. You know, in the last movie, we saw him hopping. We actually saw him do that running, so we know he's capable of it. Here, it's just kind of a funny hangover joke. It's like, oh, I woke up and I was in Guatemala, and then I'm in (laughs) Mexico, and then in a blink, he just can leap countries and boundaries just like that. And I do think that that makes it fun. I did kind of enjoy it, but I wouldn't have minded if the effects were there, seeing a little bit of that Hulk bounce that we got. See, I think you're misreading it, Stuart. I think that Hulk may have bounced to Guatemala, but they weren't ready to show it. But because when he gets to the States, you know, they have this whole thing, days without incidents. And he had gone without an incident for many months. He hadn't turned into the Hulk for many months when the movie started. When he wakes up in Guatemala, it resets days without incident to one. When he gets to the States, it says days without incident 13. I think it's telling us that he made it all the way through Mexico and into the States to Virginia in under two weeks with no money. More than my problem is that I don't know how he made it across. I'm really more like, well, where's he going? What? he doing what was the point what did we learn in that last episode that's pushing him forward to this direction you know he was given a flower it didn't work and now he's just going to run back to his old dicks the place where he got transformed he's going back there now because he needs the original data to try to find a cure mr blue says that Without the data of your original exposure levels, etc., there's no way I can give you the right dosage that will cure you. And so he has to go back there because that's where the data is of his original test. Now, here we have Banner in Virginia. This is where I would say literally about 25 minutes of cutscenes are taken out. Okay, I might agree with this because, man, this movie slows down once he gets to Virginia. It does. I agree. It's Banner hiding in Virginia, hanging out with Stanley. Stanley. Stanley's Pizza, yes. Uh-huh. Funny. Uh-huh. No, I didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> oh, come I on. I didn't, but it's not funny. But I didn't get it. I, I recognize the joke, but it's it's a smirk at best. Especially since he's a white-haired old man. But did you guys feel there needed to be more comedy? Because other cut scenes, Ed Norton gets a job as a pizza delivery guy and goes around the campus helping students with their homework and getting spit on literally by sorority girls while delivering their pizzas in a montage. I think the joke is there. We see it. I mean, he says, I have one more favor to ask of you from this Stanley guy. And we see him on a bike delivering a pizza to Lou. Lou Ferrigno, his second Hulk, post-Hulk cameo. I'm sorry, that man has like 2% body fat. When does he eat pizza? (laughs) Again, I feel like what this movie is doing best is reminding us of old Hulk. What I would really like to see at this point is something new to happen. Other than being in Brazil briefly, I feel like this project is bringing very little fresh to what I've already seen six times on various budgets. He sees Betty, who never left... I guess, which I guess she keeps the same job, but she has a new boyfriend, psychologist, 
Doc Sampson. What are you talking about, psychologist? It's Phil from Modern Family. Everybody knows that. I do know that, but actually, when I saw this movie, I knew him as the sleazy guy from Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Oh, Oh, that's what he's from. Okay. Now I know why I don't like this guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's perpetually the sap and the guy that's kind of got a used car salesman vibe, right? You don't trust him. He's shifty. He's got flash that seems vain and and ridiculous. We have no problem with the way that Liv Tyler treats him badly (laughs) once Ed Norton comes back into the picture because we wouldn't want him to be the guy she ends up with. He's the rebound boyfriend, but he's not who you marry. He's incredibly miscast, though, because Doc Sampson is straight out of the comics. He's Bruce Banner's psychiatrist who eventually gets gamma irradiated himself and has long flowing locks of what green hair you know it's it's from the bible it's like yeah. samson, samson from the bible and, yeah. when he cuts his hair he loses his power uh-huh I, okay i had no idea this was a thing like literally it seemed like a thankless walk on part i'm not even sure he speaks oh he does a ton no only in cuts you saw arnie he literally shows up at the pizzeria they walk away and he's at a fight scene cowering in the background and then he's not in the movie there's one more scene where it's revealed he's the one who alerts ross to banner's presence oh i didn't even pay attention to that yeah so he has a point in the plot in what few scenes he is left in yes oh that would have been helpful i I wish i had noticed that but yeah i just thought of him as sort of a bad foil you know something to make you feel sad for Liv tyler oh look she has to date (laughs) phil yeah they litter this movie with so many whole characters setting them up i mean ty burrell was signed for several movies And how they were going to make him have long flowing green hair and big muscles, I don't know. That's crazy. I had, well, that would have been a complete and total surprise. I had no expectation that this character would have done anything in this story or any other. I guess that's what you get for not knowing the comic. And he does have about 10 minutes of cutscenes, sipping wine with Banner and trying to psychoanalyze him a little bit and all that. And there's a scene with him at the end. There's in that scene at the end where Betty's at the dock and you just wonder why are you showing us Betty at the dock? She had a phone call with him and they had their last moment setting up possibly for the sequel of his return. But then, yeah, Betty. Oh, Liv Tyler. (laughs) Does she have any range? Because every movie, it seems like Bruce. Save the elves of Elrond. Punch the <laughs> meteor so it doesn't blow up the earth. Like this breathy, oh, it's the same in every movie and she annoys me. I have almost no feeling about Liv Tyler. I haven't seen her in many movies. I did kind of like The Strangers. I don't know whether I'm willing to credit her on that. And I remember from a couple of her dad's music videos. I remember from the music videos. She didn't speak in those, so they were good. She wore elf ears and shot an arrow once, I think, in The Lord of the Rings. I feel like she's never a big part of any movie that I've ever seen. So I don't have a very particularly strong part. But here she is in the role that I've seen before, Jennifer Connelly. I understand that in the Ang Lee movie, maybe Banner was emotionally stunted and that's why he found it hard to express his romantic feelings for her. But here in this version, it just plays like these people have no chemistry. There is no connection between Liv and Ed in this movie. I don't necessarily blame Tyler for this. I just feel like the charisma is off. I mean, these people can't have sex, and I don't want them to. I just, they're not appealing. She is not appealing. What happened 
to her face. What happens to every actress's face when they hit 36? They get a little Have you seen her father? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? Her cousins Bo and Tox come and visit, and, you know, it it is what it is. And she becomes, yes, the mannequin that every other actress over 40 is pressured to be here. I have some sympathy for it. I'm not going to knock her for what she's done to herself physically, but I do feel like, I don't know. You guys want to put it on Liv? You think she's bad? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not going to say she's good. I just, it's fundamentally an undeveloped relationship, right? This is supposedly an important driving force that he's wanted to get back with her. I can't tell. Did Ed and Norton want to get back with Betty? Are they destined to be together? Are they lovers that are meaningful? I got that in the Ang Lee one, but I also got that the reason why we didn't feel that intensely was that he was a scientist and emotionally stunted. I don't know that I get that here. I actually don't get it from either actor. Thank you. I get it because Norton is carrying around her picture. And when Norton is having his meditations, we see flashes of her. She is who grounds him. So the movie tells me this, but yeah, Liv is dead weight in this movie, and Norton seems to just not be into Liv. No, that's my problem, is that it seems like we are doing this storyline only because most Hollywood movies must have a romantic featured player for their leading hero, and she fulfills that component. But any feelings I have about this couple are borrowed from the last movie. They are a complete void. And yeah, minor from that last movie, or more importantly, from the comic. I know she's important to him. I know she eventually becomes Red She-Hulk. What? But Moving on. Stuart, this is the crazy (laughs) thing that Betty and Bruce, they're like a thing. Like, you don't have to force a love story into the Hulk. It's already there. But it's so incompetently written in this film, you would think they're making it up. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel fundamental to this story at all. I think we can all agree that if they had chosen to reboot this without her, nobody would have missed her. I'm not going to miss her in Avengers. (laughs) Well, maybe she'll show up as Red (laughs) She-Hulk. More of the scenes cut are their relationship, and I guess score one for Marvel. Yes. Well, if they were good, a few would be the right choice, because I think if you're going to have her here, we need to understand a connection. But like so many relationships in this movie, I don't feel like people are relating to one another. Want to know what I honestly think? I think I got more feeling from animated Hulk about Liv than I ever did from real Ed Norton about Liv. Because later, when they're on the campus and the army attacks again and Banner hulks out, I truthfully believe that Hulk cares about Betty. I agree with you, Artie. When it's the Hulk, Liv, she can really interact with the person that's not there. (laughs) I think she does good with the Hulk. The way the CGI character calms down when he looks at her, like, yeah, I agree with you. For some reason, the two people interacting don't work, but Liv and that blue ball that they hold up so she knows where to put her eye line that works well in this movie blue balls indeed well you know <laughs> it's like they do, they set up this scene on the campus and i gotta say there must be cut scenes in between here because it comes all out of the blue like i had no idea that they had been found out about or that's because you missed the line that doc samson betrayed them i totally missed this but there's one thing in the cut scene when live and Banner get back home after the big kiss in the rain. Doc Samson's on the phone, supposedly with a patient, but it's a very weird conversation. But that's all you get beyond what's in the theatrical cut to clue you in that the military are coming. There's 
supposed to be a shock. You're supposed to say, how did they get here? And then when you see Ross and Samson together and Samson is telling him, I wish I hadn't called you, then that is the payoff for your asking about this scene. Mm. Well, I'm willing to believe that every time that this guy was on the screen, I completely ignored him. (laughs) Poor (laughs) Phil. Uh, Yeah, I did. I No, I love him on that show. I think he's hilarious, but I just didn't feel like he fit into this world. I thought he was just loser ex-boyfriend to be. That's what I thought he was playing here. But anyway, the scene happens, and it's all out of the blue to me, and he's behind this glass walkway screaming at her, and she's running for him. She's so worked up. She punches a soldier that's pursuing him and gives him a bloody (laughs) nose. I'm like, that's passion that when they finally get to one another, I do not see. (laughs) Like, really? You're going to take down a guy that's been through basic training, and then when you're going to get the the person that you're fighting to be with, it's going to play out like this? I mean, that's the juxtaposition here. You're probably right. There are moments here where I see that tearful angst of, I can't be with you because you're big and green and you'll crush me. But when she's with the guy that can't get aroused around her, lest he turn into that creature, it's night and day. But you gotta like this fight that comes at the campus, right? I mean, first of all, we finally get the Hulk in all his hulking glory, and he's being shot at. They're bringing out sonic guns and all of this. And if that's not cool enough, Super Blonsky. I like Super Blonsky here. And we talked about Liv acting with the CGI character better than she did with the real actor. I'm gonna say the same thing for Blonsky here. Like, when he's staring down the Hulk... That's a pretty awesome moment. Like, I'm buying that. When he's doing these flip kicks and everything, like, I'm enjoying this. We need less real people in this movie. (laughs) I love that he's nimble. And so it's strength versus agility. Hulk keeps swiping and Blonsky keeps dodging. You asked me earlier, Stuart, if I was liking or loving the roof fight. And I said, liking it. I'm loving the Blonsky Hulk fight. Okay, yeah, I've been curious about it. it. This did nothing for me. It felt awkward. It's what happens when you have this bullet time. No one's really in the same shot kind of thing. It's not two people fighting. It's a CGI creature composited with a guy who's on green screen on wires. I like fights that feel physical. I like things that feel like they're happening in a real space. And what I did like, I will say this much, is I like Hulk's MO. He does it a couple times in this movie where he, he's got to be armed. It's not enough that he's big and strong. He actually wants weapons in his hand. And he's always tearing things in half and then using them to kind of cudgel and bludgeon. Is this Kendo reference? Did he learn this in his martial arts training? (laughs) I don't know. But I did like that. It showed that he had a fighting style. And I hadn't thought about Hulk as having any kind of style. I thought of him as just destruction all the time. And here I'm seeing more that, no, he is a brawler. Well, in the Ang Lee movie, he picked up a tank and used it to bludgeon another tank, but it's not quite like this. This is actually straight out of one of the best video games I've ever played, The Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, which came out before this movie. It's almost a pseudo-sequel to Ang Lee's film, if you believe it. And it's great. I love Hulk, how he fights in this movie. I really enjoy watching him Hulk out here. What's really shocking to me in this scene is the way he finishes off Blonsky. That kick? Yeah, they're staring each other down, and, like, he just straight up kicks him into a tree. (laughs) I'm like, oh, like, it caught me off guard. Like, that shocked me. 
And it's funny until you see Blonsky like in a body cast and see he's really screwed up. Yeah, I knew he wasn't dead. What surprised me was I thought this would be the scene that would bring his rage out. That this was the moment we're halfway into the movie, even more so, and uh, it's time for him to get the supervillain, right? This is obviously going to be it. They've been contrasting and comparing. If this is Hulk full on, I thought we were going to get the other guy full on. But no, not for another 40 minutes. No, this is Blonsky 2.0. We have to wait for Blonsky 4.0. I would have preferred it here. I like the slow evolution of it, honestly. I think having him turn into Abomination this early would have been too soon for me. I'm just going to say this now, because I know where this film's going. I needed Blonsky to show that he was a threat before we get to the end of this film. And this is the last time he really has that shot to show that he's a threat when Banner is the Hulk. For me to buy into the hero being in danger at the end and overcoming that and to have that sense of excitement, I have to see him at in danger at some point. I need to see him lose at some point. And here, the Hulk is badass. But when we get later on, like, I haven't seen Blonsky be badass enough to beat the Hulk. So I'm never worried about what's going to happen to him. Well, if he got that strong, he wouldn't want to continue to evolve and become even stronger. But I do agree with you. He's able to stand a little longer, but I would have liked him to get one hit in. And that one hit pisses Hulk off enough that then Hulk does the kick, you know? Blonsky never gets a hit in. Hulk does get hurt, but I mean, it takes a chopper crashing on him just to break the skin. Yeah, I feel like you guys are on to something. If he could demonstrate one thing that he had that, oh, if I recognized with just a little more juice, this would take down Hulk, uh, that might make me invested. But I guess I detach in these moments. I'm like, well, we know how this is going to play out. We know that if Tim Roth is going to look like this, he cannot defeat CGI Hulk. It's an unfair fight with an obvious outcome. I wouldn't say it's obvious because the very first time I saw this, I wondered if they might go like Ang Lee. There's that scene where Hulk's being attacked by something. I think it's a loud boombox on a truck. I don't know exactly what it is. People are covering their ears. And I wonder if they'll capture him like they did in Ang Lee's movie. I wouldn't say it was a foregone conclusion that Hulk would smash them all. But he does. And then he saves Betty's life in the crash. And one thing we kind of skipped over because we all knew this is that Betty is Ross's daughter, which is actually given to us in a big reveal scene where she keeps yelling general general. And when he doesn't answer, she yells dad. That was supposed to be a surprise. (laughs) Even I know that. And I'm not the comic book guy. But yeah, I'm borrowing so much from the last movie, I realized, because that last movie was so heavy on the intricacies of those four characters of fathers and sons and daughters. That template had already been set. It was fresh in my mind. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to know that. I'm not sure how it would play if I hadn't known that. Probably not much because we at least knew that she knew him. They were in the same lab together at the beginning when it blew up. Dad or co-worker, we knew that they were had been close and weren't anymore. How did you guys take Ross's line when Hulk finally comes out and he goes, now she'll see, like he wants her to see Hulk kill? I think that it's a potentially interesting development. The idea that the reason why she had been holding on to Banner for so long was that she only remembered him in human form and didn't know what he could be. 
Did she have amnesia from when he beat the crap out of her? Well, yeah, I think she did. I don't think she ever saw that. I don't know why she didn't play the tape back. Tell me they didn't do that experiment without some video going. But I'll go with the idea that she had never seen the inner monster into him and that if she did, she wouldn't love him anymore. But since we don't really buy the love story and since she's not really good at conveying those kinds of internal angst anyway, that it's it's all for nothing. I mean, it's just all kind of blah, blah. Blah, blah until we can get to the next episode and after the fight jack mcgee cameo yeah yeah not jack colvin but instead student newspaper reporter jack mcgee caught the whole thing on his phone camera i totally wouldn't have gotten this joke if he hadn't put me through those movies <laughs> so I, I guess i can be appreciative in that respect i would have totally lost me it's he's not really the jack mcgee right they're not going to use this character later in fact wasn't jack mcgee a character made up for the show he was but they're taking so much from the show yeah had this movie been a success who knows mm. But Hulk and Betty run off and have a tender moment in a cave, which this is the one scene I believe the emotions coming from the two pieces of artificial creation. <laughs> but the scene itself doesn't do very much for me. Hulk throws a rocket lightning and... Now, Arnie, I got to ask you this, because there's a rumor that that whole lightning storm, that's when Thor is coming to Earth. And people have tried to say you could see a little speck falling to Earth. Do you know if there's any truth to this? I don't think so for a lot of reasons. First of all, Hulk is in Virginia and Thor is in New Mexico. So it would have to be a storm that would like spread the entire country. <laughs> it is a Norse god. Yeah, <laughs> Thor could do that if he wanted to, I would think. The second thing is the timing. It could be around the same time. We're going to talk about the timeline a little bit more. Hulk and Thor do take place somewhat at the same time, but... I can see why people would think it, but I just, when we get to Thor, we'll talk about it. The storm seems far too isolated, and it doesn't bring rain, at least not in New Mexico. I don't think it's the same thing. I guess I'll be looking when we get there, having never seen Thor, that that would be something if they were working it out that much. But I think we've already said, at the time that they were making these one-two punch, it was different studios releasing it. Nobody knew if they would be successes. Nobody knew that they would be able to get to Thor and to the Avengers. I find it highly unlikely that the filmmakers were thinking they were setting that up at this moment. Right now, the only thing that really occurred to me, I know we're supposed to be talking about love or Thor or something like that. I was just thinking about dimensions and that this was the scene where i noticed that hulk really isn't that much bigger than other human beings that they haven't taken ang lee's approach that he can reach supermass right he's essentially about what three or four feet taller than a really tall guy yeah it's much more in line with my impressions of hulk in the last movie he went anywhere from at the smallest nine feet at the largest you know 18 feet or something like that yeah here yeah. he is stuck at nine feet and that is i think better you don't want hulk to be so huge that we're pounding at his toes it's just a different conception, you know. The angrier he got, the bigger he could be. And since he was such a repressed character in the last one, we didn't know that once he broke and dealt with his father issues, how massive he could become. Here, that's not relevant. That's not what they're going with. But it seems like they've settled on something that is more modest than the last movie. That's a surprise. And when he turns back into Banner, Banner had swallowed the data. He had shoved a thumb drive into his esophagus. 
so that he wouldn't lose it the way he lost his laptop in Brazil, and he regurgitates it, and they're able to get the data to Mr. Blue in New York. Yeah, I thought it was really lucky that the Hulk doesn't have like some kind of super digestive gastric acids in him, or else goodbye thumb drive. I was surprised it came out uncorroded. That was the thing yes. that shocked me. <laughs> I would not be putting that in my port. I actually don't even want to consider this. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> So they get to Samuel Stearns. Stuart, did you know this was a character from the comic? No. I knew him as a character from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? This is <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, when he shows up, I'm thinking comedy all of a sudden. Totally. And rightfully so. He's selling it as comedy. I think this guy is so unusual looking. I was shocked that he's actually got a huge resume. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen oh, him in yeah. lots of stuff. Always usually playing hayseeds and yokels, and they definitely play upon his look for comedy. And this is, in fact, probably the most straight role I've ever seen him in. What's funny is that in the comic, Samuel Stearns, who becomes a gamma-radiated the leader, he is a yokel, a hayseed, and he gets gamma radiation, and it makes him smart. Instead of becoming strong like the Hulk, he becomes a green smart guy. So it was weird to see him here start off already as a scientist, even though he's kind of wacky. Oh, is that why they do that thing to him at the end with his head bubbling? Yeah, because the leader has a large noggin. Okay, I'm now getting this. These characters that seem like nothing to the non-informed audience member like myself are actually setups for future sequels. That's what they're doing here. I really think they're following the Spider-Man formula in that way. When we get to Spider-Man after Avengers, they plug so many minor characters in that movie who are major characters from the comic and set themselves up with a universe that could be built on later. And the way Samuel Stearns is played here, I really feel like if if they made Hulk 2, it would be Hulk versus Leader. But you've also got Doc Samson floating around. You've got General Ross. There's so much you could do. And they don't even kill Abomination at the end. There's so many ways they could take this franchise. I'm going to argue they should have done it in this movie. We should have had Abomination already. And we should have Leader at the end. What's holding them back from doing these cool things later other than the greed of we can milk them for more money next time? Come on. I disagree. When we get to Spider-Man 3... Or some of the Batmans, we can talk about the wisdom of having the multiple villains in one movie. Okay, I'm not saying it always works, but I am feeling like I'd like to see something exciting happen here. They are following the template of the TV show so much without bringing anything fresh in here. I'm waiting for something new. I'm waiting to see something they couldn't have done on a Bill Bixby budget. I'll split the difference. I want to feel that the Hulk is in danger. I want yeah. to feel like there's a threat. If you got to team up the leader and abomination to do that, then do that. How far are you into this movie now? It's almost over, and I'm not worried about the Hulk at all. So how am I supposed to feel any kind of suspense? What's supposed to compel me to keep watching this character? That you have hit the nail on the head. The Hulk is never in danger. The Hulk never feels in danger. There's a lack of suspense in this film. But I think Stuart's dead wrong saying that you're waiting for something that couldn't be done on Bixby's budget. I mean, that's just unfair and incorrect. Come on, Stuart. We saw what the Thor was like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn! Yeah. This is miles above that. I dare say that, for me, this is the best Hulk we've ever had on screen. 
you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the effects aren't light years ahead of the time. What I'm saying is they could take this script and having done it on that budget, it wouldn't look as good, but they could do it. There's nothing that's super about these scenarios. It's the same kind of conflicts. They just need to throw in a racquetball scene. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a deleted scene, Arnie? No, unfortunately not. Damn. I did like, again, that S.H.I.E.L.D. was the ones who led Ross and the group to Banner. It always seems to be a stretch how they find Banner. It's never Ross doing it, is it? It's There's the drop of blood, there's Doc Samson, and now there's S.H.I.E.L.D. It makes Ross look pretty impotent. Yeah, why was Banner dumb enough to use their code words? I mean, he was so smart. We can't use credit cards, we can't use phones, we gotta go off the grid, and then he uses code words? In an email that, come on, he had a figure that was getting screened. Yeah, he should have become Mr. Azure. <laughs> Here's what's telling. I'm not even curious about these things. I don't ask these questions because I know what I'm getting. Okay, we've been to three different cities now, and we've had the same non-event. Hulk shows up looking for something he's never going to get, and people attack him, and they're never going to win. All right. And so it goes. And now this guy says, oh, I can cure you. Yeah, right. Sucker born every minute. Is anyone believing that? But he does. He injects Banner, Banner hulks out, and then returns. Whatever Stearns made worked. It may not have been permanent, but it worked. Yes. He was shooting him with a lot of electricity. It might have just stopped his heart to go under that 200 beats per minute. You know what? But I'm going to say right then and there, that was the first time I saw a scene that I actually thought was exciting. I actually like that transformation. I like the idea that they could, in a lab, initiate the creation of it and i thought it was pretty trippy that we finally got to watch him fully hulk out i felt like in every other hulk scene it had kind of been teased out and done in bits and parts and here watching his shoulders separate and grow and his flesh actually change color and all of that i thought it worked really well but this is not a permanent cure arnie this is a we can reverse your transformation it is not a you will never be hulk again but I think we're supposed to take it as he might never be Hulk again, which is why a few minutes later, it's supposed to be suspenseful. Ah, this concept is flawed from the get-go. Nobody wants this man cured. Nobody wants to see Banner lose Hulk. Ever. I mean, that's never been a goal, right? You never want him to be cured of it and have it eradicate. But it's the MacGuffin. You've got to have that MacGuffin. I guess. You're telling me we do. Here's what it worked for me more. Where you get these hints at the beginning where he just wants to be able to control it. I'm finally buying into Stuart's side of the story that the Hulk Yay! should be able to choose when to Hulk out at least this version that they're showing me with Norton and trying to own the anger and own the rage. I think they could have done that well here where I would have bought into it, whereas Bixby couldn't do that. I feel Norton could have got me to buy into that. And that's the direction they should have taken it here. I think they do at the end. I think that's what they're telling us in the last scene. We'll get there in a few minutes. I think this whole movie is the evolution telling us how Banner gains control. And that is what a good origin story should do. At the very end of it, we should see that hero comfortable in his skin and to be able to say, hey, this is me. This is what I can do. We've seen him wrestle with, do I want to? Do I want to? And have that debate for two hours. And at the end of it, we should feel that he's actualized. I don't know that I feel that, but yeah, we'll get there. But what I'm really saying here is that they're playing TV show drama out in a big movie screen way. And I'm feeling feeling like they're never going to get me to that actualization moment. In this scene, I believe that it's yet another cock tease and that they're never, ever going to give me a character that knows who he is and is self-satisfied. 
if it hadn't been for the trailers, I would have had more suspense here. Because understand, the Hulk in comics, there is no definitive Hulk. The Hulk has been a genius in Hulk form. The Hulk has been a gangster. The Hulk has been a savage. The Hulk has been anything you can imagine as long as he's big and strong. He's even been three different colors. Mm -hmm. Maybe even more than that. So if they hadn't put in the trailer the scene of Green Hulk fighting Abomination, and if I hadn't known in the back of my mind that the Hulk at the end of the movie is the Hulk at the beginning of the movie, I might have had more suspense here wondering not if they'll cure him of Hulkism because then credits roll and we're done, but would they change it? Because Marvel is taking risks with these characters. We've already seen Iron Man go through three skins. What if they did something like brought in Joe Fixit Gangster Hulk? There would have been other things that could have come out of this crazy experiment. This scene might have had a lot more payoff if the Hulk was different at the end. You know, even if Banner wasn't, if Hulk was different, if Hulk became smarter, if Hulk got a bit of Banner's memory, all of these things have happened in the comics, then it could have had more payoff. As it is, I can't deny, Stuart, that you're right. It's a cock tease because nothing is different when it's over. Mm-mm. We had one transformation stopped and nothing. What I did like is that, you know, I knew coming in, Samuel Stearns, oh, he's the leader. But, you know, for people, Stuart, like you, who have no idea who Samuel Stearns is and the alliteration doesn't tip you off, he might have been originating in the 60s, he is cloning Banner's blood to create more hulks or something i had no idea what that meant again we're back to the blood if he's had this blood all this time why hasn't he created a hulk locally and he didn't have to email this hulk in south america why isn't he doing his own experiment none of this really made any sense he says he has and they've all died okay the died part is what i didn't hear i was like if you've done it why don't we see evidence of this they've all died okay he probably hasn't done human experimentation but no, he says he's done it on rats and dogs yeah And they've all died because they were missing a key ingredient that now that Banner's there, they can get. Okay, I buy that. And it's the same goal as the army. By running from the army, Norton has run into somebody just like them. I don't get a lot from this character. Again, it's exactly like Phil. What's his name? Who was the guy I was supposed to know? Doc Doc Samson. Samson. Doc Samson, exactly. You guys are looking at a future arch nemesis, and I'm going, oh, this is some generic guy that's here just to get us to what I'm waiting for, what I've been advocating for really since Hulk began, which is a suitable foil for him to battle. And we are now 90 minutes into this movie before we finally are getting those stakes. Well, Blonsky does triumph over Banner by shooting him in the back with a trank dart. When he's not the Hulk. It doesn't count. Even Blonsky knows that because he forces Stearns to inject him with whatever it is. I think it's a combination of blood and drugs and forces him to reproduce. But because he already had some bones popping out of him from the super soldier serum, he's like the Hulk, but he keeps his intellect. But man, is he ugly. Now, Jacob, this is not the abomination I know from the comics. There are some similarities. Yes, he looks different, but he maintains his intelligence. He can't revert back to human form. We don't necessarily know that, do we? He just doesn't because there's only 20 minutes of movie left. Well, when he gets the crap beat out of him, he doesn't become small again. Usually you would think that he'd revert to human form if he was beat up, but maybe not. No, we don't know that. Is he a Hulk villain? Would you say that he exists primarily to fight Hulk? Yes, he's the Russian Hulk. In the comics, remember, Cold War 60s, the Russians were upset because Americans had a Hulk. 
Russians needed a Hulk, and so they tried to reproduce the experiments with their Russian soldier, Emil Blonsky. Ah, okay, that makes more sense, because what I can't figure out is what makes Abomination really any different than Hulk. They're both things that, when they go off, can be highly destructive, but I don't know why you'd want Abomination dead and Hulk alive. That's why nothing makes sense to me in this final battle. And a lot's writing on this final battle. I want to say, up to this point, I have not disliked the movie, but I have not been engaged by the movie. I have been waiting for this moment to happen. I have been waiting for this foil to emerge. But neither in human form nor in super form do I feel like there is a very good connection between good guy and bad guy. Banner doesn't know Blonsky. They have no personal beef. There's no reason why those two would want to fight one another. Again, it's just a matter of Tim Roth wants to have the power he has. And Hulk, to me, doesn't play any differently than Abomination, other than Abomination is bigger and uglier. And I don't understand why Blonsky wants to become Abomination. I get it. He likes that the Hulk is strong, but he sees that the Hulk has no intellect, that he's a monster. Blonsky seems like a pretty smart guy. That's how he's stayed alive as an active combatant. He never moved on to an officer role or anything like that. So I don't get why he wants to be a monster. I take it as a juicer mentality. You know, it's like steroids. They just want to get bigger. It doesn't matter whether it looks good or whether they're really stronger or whether they're really killing themselves inside. It's really just, I want to be big. I want to be big. I get that concept coming out of little Tim Roth. I get that if he was the big fish in a little pond of black ops guys and then he sees something that's so much bigger, he'd want to be that at any cost to his health or sanity. And so then why does he go smashing Harlem? That's what I don't get. <laughs> I'm a little confused here because at this point, and there's no cut scene that explains it to me, oh. he becomes Abomination. I'm fine with that. He wants the power. You know, maybe he's not into human form that much anyway, and he just wants to be big. He wants to be powerful. But then he bursts through a wall and just starts terrorizing Harlem because he can. Roid Rage? Yeah, that's how I define this character and why I'm supposed to dislike him is because he cheats. He uses steroids. He isn't Hulk naturally. I don't know. That's the only way I can get it. Well, no, come on. The Hulk cheated. <laughs> he experimented on himself because they were going to cut their funding or whatever. I yeah, mean, but he didn't know what he would become. or something. There's something more innocent about it. Whereas here, this guy, because he covets it, because he wants it so badly, that's why he's bad. But you're right. It's not particularly interesting or logical. This guy would become Godzilla in Uptown New York. In a cut scene, there is one line. It doesn't help anything, but I'll just tell you guys so you know. One of the other reasons that Ross's experiments were put on ice is because it made the subjects mentally unstable. Okay. Would have been helpful. Show, don't tell. Well, they did show, but we didn't get it. Yeah, I guess that's it. And I don't see why the army decides, well, crap, there's this brand new creature out there. The only thing we can do is send the Hulk. Let's just go to that solution immediately because he's here. Well, furthermore, when the two creatures are actually fighting, Ross calls out, cut the abomination one in half, leave the Hulk alone. Like, that seems so out of character. I agree. It pissed me off. Yeah, he would have used the Hulk no matter what to kill abomination, but he wouldn't care if Hulk was a casualty. No, you guys are nailing it for me. It feels like destructive violence purely for the sake of entertainment, for our entertainment. It doesn't really 
make any sense. What would stop Abomination? What would make him happy? He isn't to be happy. He would destroy anything in his path, presumably until nothing was left standing, right? That's the only thing I could understand about what he wants. You say he's retained his intellect? He speaks, whereas Hulk doesn't. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. And Stuart, I want to see stuff get smashed. That's the primary reason I went to go see this movie, to see some great destruction. But I need some logic there to keep me invested. I'm watching. How long does this fight go on? It seems like it goes on forever. It's about 15 minutes. I feel like I'm watching my friend play Nintendo and I don't get the joystick. I can't disagree entirely, but it's a really cool game with good graphics that I'm kind of enjoying watching my friend play. I wish there had been more setup. I wish I knew what Abomination was fighting for. I wish I knew why Ross was like, well, the Hulk you know is better than the Hulk you don't. (laughs) (laughs) And don't get me wrong, there are some great scenes that I do like in this fight. Tell me you love the police car boxing gloves. I did. Yeah, I like that. You know, even when the Hulk, he does that clap to blow out the fire, when he finally says Hulk smash, like there are some great moments, but I think I enjoy him because I like to see Hulk smash. If I'm <laughs> in Stewart's position or someone who's never seen this, probably my wife when she was sitting through this movie with me, I probably would have been bored. I probably wouldn't have got that same joy out of it. Joy is not what I'm experiencing. I'm enjoying little tidbits here and here. I also see it's character motivated. We started him off learning martial arts. Some of these feel like cool kind of ninja moves. You know, that clapping the hands to blow out the fire, that felt like something that David Carradine would have done on Kung Fu. It felt ninja-ish. And like I said, yeah, the boxing gloves and needing to fight with weapons, that felt like something different than just unbridled rage bulldozing over anything in its path you know he's not a charging rhino he's a fighter and i've never gotten that from hulk up until this point i think i could give the motivations in this to blonsky because it's blonsky this whole movie who's been itching for this fight he says the line many times give me a real fight mm-hmm. and i think that Maybe I can project he's tearing apart Harlem because he wants that fight. He knows that Hulk's still in the area, and if he causes enough destruction, they'll have to let him out, right? After that, maybe he'd go back to taking orders from Ross. I mean, really, he's just a grunt. He never even wanted to be a leader. But it's a good fight. I loved seeing some of the Hulk's comic book moves, even if they make no sense in the real world, like a clap. Or You see this in so many movies. You cannot stomp the ground and project an earthquake in a certain direction. It just it can't work. I know everyone grew up with the GoBots and one did that, but it just irks me on one level. But yet, because it's from the comics, I love it on another. I'm having fun, but I'm not entirely proud of myself for how much fun I'm having. See, and I'm not having much fun. I'm having those little moments like Stuart said, but I'm mostly bored. I don't know how you guys can be bored in this movie where it books through two very fast-paced hours. When it was over, I thought I'd seen a 90-minute movie. It goes so fast. Yeah, it's economical. I agree with you. It definitely moves, but you want to take the ride, right? It's not about just getting to the next scene. You want to be uh, with the characters in the moment. And across the board, from William Hurt to Edward Norton to Tim Roth to Liv Tyler to any of these dramatic scenes as they've been written, I'm not connecting. I don't care what they do because I've already figured out the formula and I know how it's going to play out. So you, since you know how this is going to play out, you could tell me why Abomination doesn't die at the end? (laughs) Because it's wrestling and they're keeping him for the sequel? He does a pin on him. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) 
It is very WWF. Like, you got this huge monster that the only way it could ever be stopped if he gets free is to unleash another huge monster. Yeah, thanks a lot, Liv. You let him live. When would they turn back? Because these characters aren't motivated by rage, per se, I understood rage lasts as long as maybe you get angry. And since I can relate to that, I know sometimes I get angry for a couple minutes. Sometimes it's all damn day. But I know that eventually those feelings will pass. At what point will he not be Abomination? Or is he just this way forever? If you go from the comics, Abomination, one of his big problems is he's jealous because Banner can leave the Hulk form and Abomination is stuck as Abomination. Ah, you know, I kind of like that. If they had based these Hulk characters on different deadly sins, as if you were, envy and sloth and rage, and they were all unlikable characteristics of the human condition, I kind of wish they had played more into that. You're right. He is a jealous character. If he was a jealous monster the way that Hulk is an anger monster, I could be down. But it doesn't play that way enough. It doesn't. And it does question why he's left alive. In fact, the first time I saw this, I didn't even realize he was left alive. It wasn't until I bought the Blu-ray. I'm like, oh, wait, he's still breathing. Because I'm just so used to the villain dying. Yeah. Do you think that they ran out of time or effects work? Sometimes it's just, well, the movie's out next week and we got to do. Is there any indication that they couldn't get what they wanted to done? Tim Roth was signed for three films. Ah, so they had no intention of putting a cap on this. And that irks me. It's fine to plan for sequels and to have tie-ins and crossovers. And I appreciate that the Marvel Universe is built on that. But you need to complete things. Things need to come full circle if you're going to call it a movie for me. And this was no ending. Well, Hulk flies off and then we get the ending of him up in Canada meditating it's been many days without his incident he's just sitting there very calm the metronome is going as it's been since the very beginning then he opens his eyes smiles green eyes days without incident zero how did you take that i don't really know (laughs) i don't really know how to take it but at the end of the day it felt like something the studio was doing to assure us that he was still hulk It did not feel motivated by anything that was happening. I mean, what could he be angry about? That she sent the heart locket back to him or that he can control it? I know they're not going to go that route. I wish. And I took it, this is what should have happened halfway through the movie, that he was gaining control of it, that he was embracing the rage and it wasn't something he wanted to get rid of anymore. He had that smile. He liked it. It was a high for him. We talked about roid rage. This this was like a heroin shot to him. He needed a way to excise that anger in him and the Hulk was it. And I wish I would have got that halfway through the movie. Or the end of the movie. You're right. The climax needs to be about the hero comfortable in his skin. Like I talked about earlier, that actualization thing. That's why he wins the fight is because he knows who he is. If he had jumped out of that plane willingly and said, this is me, grr, but they want to play it more like this phony suspense angle of he may splat on the ground and not change before he gets there. That was the wrong way to go. Which we had already seen in Death of the Hole. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and don't remind me of that. Whatever, it's fine to do jokes about purple pants, but do not remind me about that movie. (laughs) You're right, Jacob. It's wrong to deny this character his moment to become the icon. This, Stuart, may be where your point about give me an actual movie and don't just give me a chapter may hit home because this scene was intentionally left ambiguous because had this movie been an Iron Man sized hit, they were ready to do Hulk 2 
before Avengers, like they did Iron Man 2 before Avengers. And and because of that, they wanted Hulk to be set up as a full-on hero to lead his own movie next time. And so that would be saying, Banner's in control. They also didn't know what the script for Avengers would be. As Jacob had said in the early Avengers comics, the first time Hulk appeared, the Avengers team up to stop the Hulk. So they wanted it left where if this movie didn't do so well, the Hulk could be the villain of the Avengers. Mm. So they left it ambiguous. And because this movie did not do Iron Man numbers, well, they ended up going none of the above. But from what I've seen in the trailers, it looks like... There's some control to the Hulk in Avengers that we've not seen in any Hulk so far. I'm very anxious to see that. Yeah, I hope they touch on that because from the one trailer I've seen, he looks very heroic and not quite Hulk to me. And let me just get a beat on it. You guys are hoping that he is now more in control. You're hoping the move in this direction. Arnie, you've been a big defender of the TV show, Hulk. Would that be a betrayal? Again, the Hulk has been in control, out of control, etc. for so many years of comics. There is no way to betray this character, really. He's been all over the map. That said, I'll tell you what I expect. There has to be a scene where the Hulk goes crazy and the Avengers have to take him down. And there has to be a scene where the Avengers assemble together at the end with the Hulk on their side. And that's what will happen. I'll stake a paycheck on it. But I wouldn't bet against it. Jacob, you want him to be Hulk anytime, snap of his fingers? I, I don't know if I want it that easy, but yeah, I, I like I said, I'm with you, Stuart. I'm ready for some evolution on this character. I'm, mm. You know, if this is in the Avengers continuity and this is what they've set up, then fine. I'm ready to go that direction. Well, the way I'm seeing it, you know, Ross has wanted to define Hulk as a potential weapon. I agree. That's how I think of him. I don't think of him as an interesting character, but I think he might be an awesome bomb that in a team setting could be dropped into a thorny situation. I think that he might be a great weapon for the Avengers to use. I'm not really that curious about how it will be used, but I think it could be some great carnage, and I think that he might play better with others than he does here in his solo movie. But there's one more scene that should have been the last scene. The next scene in the Norton cut was after the credits. It actually pisses me off it wasn't after the credits. It needed to be after the credits. They knew nobody was going to stay for the rest of the movie. We're out of here. What's happening for dinner? I'm hungry. People were not hanging on what was happening next the way they were with Iron Man. But if they hadn't stayed, they'd have missed the best scene of the whole damn movie. Because Robert Downey Jr. shows up for five seconds and reminds everybody what it's like to act. Isn't that the truth? Downey does more with his little throwaway bit here than he There's just... It's... Charisma is what we're talking about. Ed Norton's slow burn is just not nearly as interesting as Downey's scenery chewing. It just isn't. And yes, what a gust, a hurricane gale it is to see real star power come in and remind you what fun superhero movies can be. But I mean, it's obviously just a tag on for the Avengers. I'll tell the listeners, we're not done talking about this scene. We will be talking about this scene more in the Thor podcast. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I've seen Thor. I was confused by this scene because he comes in and says, I'm putting together a team. I'm like, why are you going to General Ross to get a hold of the Hulk? The Hulk's ran away. It was confusing to me. Well, he's a problem. I mean, it's a secret that's out. I mean, I just took it to mean that Ross 
kind of knows where he is. I mean, if the guy's getting letters from his girlfriend, they have a general idea where Hulk is. They could find him if they want to. They don't want to trigger him, and they don't know what they'd do if they had him. And I'd like to believe that Hurt is smart enough to know at this point that he doesn't want the blood and just to inject it to any old G.I. Joe that he finds, that that can blow up in your face like abomination. So if there has been a character that's learned something, it's him. He doesn't want to capture Hulk. At the end of this movie, he wants to solve the Hulk problem, and Downey's here to offer that solution. Again, is Downey there to get the Hulk, or is Downey there to hunt the Hulk and help him? Because, keep in mind, many times in this movie, S.H.I.E.L.D. helps Thunderbolt Ross to find Banner. Oh, it never occurred to me that way. You're right. It could read exactly that way. But I just presumed, and it's a largely part because I know Hulk's going to be a part of the Avengers, that every one of these little tags would be the person from the last movie coming to the person at the end of the new movie and saying, hey, join our club. I was just pissed it wasn't Sam Jackson again. I, <laughs> but Downey does so well here. I wouldn't change it. But going in, I just wanted more of Nick Fury because he was the big tease at Iron Man. When Iron Man ended, you didn't want more Iron Man. You were satiated on Iron Man. You wanted more Sam Jackson. And so here to get more Iron Man, especially at the end of this movie, all it does is make you go, eh, I guess I kind of wish I'd seen Iron Man again. <laughs> I know I was thinking that. So Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Incredible Hulk? Jacob? I said I originally went to go see this. I wasn't expecting Iron Man. I was expecting a fun action film. And I don't feel I even get that with The Incredible Hulk. I don't feel there's much incredible there. There's some action scenes, and there's little tidbits that I like in those action scenes, but I don't understand what pieces them together. I don't understand what makes the characters move from scene to scene to scene. I feel like maybe all that stuff was in the cut scenes, and it sounds like a little bit was, but I still don't know what I would have got if I watched that three-hour version now that I hear you describe it, Arnie. There just wasn't the characters there that I needed to be able to enjoy and we got to the big punch em up parts. And I found the last 15 minutes, this fight scene, I was mostly bored. And I was ready, you know, if the film projector would have gone out, I'd have said, nah, you don't need to give me a voucher to see this movie again. Just give me some extra popcorn or something. <laughs> I was done. I was ready to move on. And if I find myself bored, I can't recommend it. So no, I don't recommend The Incredible Hulk. Mm. Round two, Stuart. <laughs> I have been searching for a reason to find why he has this tag incredible. Like, I've never understood why Hulk is incredible. That TV stuff, not incredible. Ang Lee's more like the inconsistent Hulk. Some interesting <laughs> ideas, but really, at the end of the day, it was kind of a muddle. And here, it just feels like the inevitable Hulk. Everything just inevitably is going to fall into place and inevitably go exactly where the screenwriters needed to without any joy, without any passion, without any substance, without any ambition. I would say that if your problems with the last movie were that it had too many weird, arty tangents, this corrects that problem. It is a very consistent vision. It's just not a very interesting one. And because something is not bad doesn't make it good. So I'm going to go not recommend. It's the very portrait of mediocrity. Round three. I hear what you guys are saying. And I can't disagree with many of your complaints. Some, yes, and I have. But by and large, the things you're saying are things I noticed. But what I never noticed was boredom. I've watched this film five times start to finish now. I've never once been bored by it. I watched 40 minutes of cutscenes. All right, I got a little bored in that. 
But the cut that Marvel said was better, I was never bored. I was always entertained. I just I do agree. I didn't understand why some things were happening. It just felt like this is the next scene we wrote, so let's go do it. And I went to the novel hoping for some clarification of motivation, and you can hear me review it over on Marvelicious Toys, but I just didn't find them there either. I think even Peter David was like, well, all right, we're going to do this. He comes up with some very flimsy reasons, but it's the movie with the cutscenes. And so the end result, though, is I was entertained. I has some problems. It is by no means a perfect movie. You say it's the definition of mediocrity. I say it's the definition of a pretty good movie. Not a great movie, but a pretty good one. It's entertaining me for two full hours. The time flies by. I like the performances. I like the visuals. I like the action. I wish there had been a little bit more there. And I don't know if there's a quick fix to this. I don't know what it would be. Perhaps a different director. And I love what Louis did with the action. And I love the cinema style. But the cast that was brought together and the script that was shot, even with the cutscenes, is lacking in connective tissue. And so I don't know what could have been done to make this a fully incredible Hulk. But it's a pretty damn good Hulk. And so, yeah, I'm giving it a recommend. Yeah, well, yeah, as long as we can all agree, yet to be incredible. I'm still waiting to be amazed by Hulk. It's the best Hulk we've had so far, but I'd say Lou Ferrigno was incredible. And not in any of the TV movies we watched, per se. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for making me not have to get my blood boiling. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how they can use his assets and detriments in a larger scope. I think it's going to help me to know that the movie is not going to be focused on this character. I think it's just too much of one thing for me. I feel like the problems I bump into are always the same ones. They try little tweaks here and there, but at the end of the day, I think I just want less of Hulk than what a whole movie has to offer. So while I may not be giving a recommend to this movie, I still think he could be a really cool part of the Avengers. I'm still encouraged. What's funny is you say you want less of Hulk, but after two theatrical viewings, and neither of them bombed, but both underperformed, they're already working on plans for every hero after Avengers, but Hulk is not destined for the big screen again. They're sending him back to the small screen. They are actively working on, but I don't believe has found a network for, an incredible Hulk TV series which would use a CGI Hulk, the same Hulk model that they had for the movies, with a new character again as Banner. Mm. Norton doesn't come back. He and Marvel kind of cut ties. Depending who you ask, he was fired or he quit. But Ruffalo isn't going to do TV, so Hulk is destined to hit the small screen again. And I think Marvel's tenacious enough to do it. Well, that sounds like a very expensive proposition. I know when you're shooting TV, you have about 12 days to film an episode with all the post and all that sounds like it could be another terra nova there i would be worried that they wouldn't be able to do the level of cgi work to make hulk a star in his own show i think he might end up with a lot more of an angsty bruce banner than he would a green monster and thoughts as we go into avengers are you going to miss norton do you see ruffalo as a better fit for banner because i think i miss norton just a little and i don't know that i see ruffalo as very angry either i love mark ruffalo of the three actors just based on their work 
outside of whatever they do within this Hulk character. I consistently think he, he picks good, interesting projects and is good in them. I've been a fan since I saw him, and you can count on me. I am hoping, fingers crossed, he will be our best Hulk. With four more years to develop this computer technology and my favorite of the actors, I think I could get a Hulk I can stand behind. And I don't know who he is. I guess we saw him in Shutter Island. I don't remember who he played in that. He was the kind of bland investigator guy. Okay. It wasn't a great picture for him, yes, but he can be great. I guess it all depends on the take that they give Banner. I said, I think with this Norton Hulk, they try to make a Banner that might have fit him that was a little more aggressive into the karate in that. It didn't quite play out, but we've seen so many different kinds of Banners with either Bixby or Banner or Norton. I guess it just depends how they write the character in this one. Well, next week we have Iron Man 2. As Marvel kind of had to get its head in the game, it was easier to do a straight sequel than continue these franchises. So hopefully, Stuart, you broke your thought of being able to recommend all of them, but maybe the return of Tony Stark can get you back on track. Nothing would make me happier than a return to what we had last week. So I've seen this one. I'll go ahead and say that much. It got me back into the theater. It got me to see a superhero movie and be excited about it. So yeah, let's do it. Let's get back to Iron Man. Absolutely. So until next time, Avengers Assemble! Say I told you so, General, but that super soldier program was put on ice for a reason. I've always felt the cargoer was much more than Star. General. You always wear such nice suits. Touche. Here you have an unusual problem. You should talk. You should listen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Avengers Retrospective Series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight. Part of our Marvel Comics Movie Retrospective Series. This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another movie based on the Marvel Comics through the release of The Avengers this May. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. And be sure to visit Venganza Media Gazette at venganzamedia.com forward slash gazette to read Arnie's reviews of every episode of the Incredible Hulk TV series. A new review is posted every day. God bless you, brother. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher. Plus, reviews of The Avengers' early works, like the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulks movies and the Captain America TV movies. Good luck keeping up. We also have non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews, such as Green Lantern, Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. We made this thing, all of us. Please. 
while at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. You've seen what he becomes, right? I have. And it's beautiful. Godlike. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Therefore, what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is welcome back. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have to explain that statement, sir. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Is it too much of a problem to ask? Because I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I really need your help here. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. Get yourself something nice for me. I already did. And? Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. I've moved on to the next one, because that's what we do, right? I mean, that's the job. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. You really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. Now Playing is a Inganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Any last words? Hulk! Smash! Is that it? Is that all you got? Reload. And directed by Louis Leterrier. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I thought you did that for comedic effect. No! Ruff, ruff, ruff! Leterrier. Directed by Louis Leterrier. Yeah. Reload. I didn't know anyone that saw it or had any strong feelings about it one way or the other. Except you, you, Arnie. Yeah, I was going to say, did you know me? (laughs) We didn't talk about it. I think that's probably telling. I I guess you didn't listen to a little podcast called Now Playing where I reviewed this movie? No, I didn't. (laughs) Okay, then. I'll try not to let that bruise my ego. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to your Iron Man one. I would only listen to a podcast if I'd seen the movie. I think that that's just my general policy about podcasts in general. We were spoiler-free back then. Mm, Well, then maybe I should go check it out. Well, now, even if it was spoiler-filled, I forced you to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Reload. Banner transforms once more, and a major brawl ensues, with the army and Hulk teaming up against Abomination. And a major brawl ensues with... Hold on. Oh, I thought he just wanted to hold on for, like, a reading thing, but he's, like, going to check on the dogs? I guess. <laughs> going to shut them the f*** up. <laughs> Uh-oh, what'd you do? You better hope they're not Hulk dogs. Where's Nolte? Reload. 
I think because he's with Blackwater. You know, he's with this dark ops thing. We're supposed to not like these guys. Beware the dark water. <laughs> they're, they're just... Reload. This should be an awesome moment when it's Tim Roth chasing Ed Woods through this... Ed Wood? Ed Wood? Ed Wood. <laughs> mm. Is that a comment well, on his acting? It might be. No, well, it might be a Freudian on the movie. No, the movie's not an Ed Wood movie. Um... What's his name? Norton. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Um, what did I say? Edward. Uh, okay. Uh, da, da, da. Reload. And having not seen City of Men, the roof stuff. City of God. Having not seen sit- either of them, really. City of Men is different. <laughs> it's a TV show, yeah. Having, no, not, City- having not seen Children of God, the I didn't even know what parkour was until I saw Warzone. <laughs> so this was it's, new it, to it's me. City of God. <laughs> Not children of God. <laughs> children of a lesser God. My children of a lesser man. <laughs> children of men. Yeah, my boy. City of God. Yeah. Children of Men's a sci-fi movie. Yeah, there's so many ways to get this wrong. <laughs> City of God. <laughs> All right, if I f*** it up one more time, I'm going to write it down. Man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having not seen City of God, right? Yes. Clap, 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 clap. Reload. He feels to me like a hybrid between the primary Incredible Hulk from the Marvel comics and the ultimate Hulk from the Ultimate Universe. We said in the main universe, Banner was accidentally exposed to radiation and became the Hulk. In the Ultimate Universe, he was working on a strength serum. He did want to become stronger. He did experiment on himself, just like the origin story we're given here. But in the Ultimate Universe, Hulk is a cannibalistic villain who eats everyone around him. Wow. Like literally munch munch? Yes, literally munch munch eat you dead. And at times they can aim him at a worse villain, but as soon as that worse villain is taken care of, you have to stop the Hulk from eating Captain America alive. (laughs) I hope that's in the Avengers. (laughs) Reload. That is the unresolved drama of David Banner. Is it David or Bruce? Bruce. In this it's Bruce. Yeah. Reload. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there, Stuart. Maybe Liv. I'm Arnie. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I know was it's retro. So I, I, I knew where Stuart was going to go, and I wanted to agree with him before he got there. No. <laughs> what am it's I just so to? often you have to say, I agree with you, Arnie, yes. that it just didn't come out. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a foreign it's language. So Reload. Here is where I really, I've never thought I'd say these words. I long for Jennifer Connelly because Connelly not only convinced me that she had feelings for Banner, she also convinced me she was a general's daughter and had some of that steel in her herself. Liv, there's no steel in her unless she bought it at an adult novelty store. (laughs) Wow. Is that a vibrator joke? It yeah. is a vibrator joke. <laughs> okay. Very right. good, Stuart. You're catching on. I know. I got it. I just, I, I, wow. wanted to make sure. <laughs> you just, just couldn't believe I went sure. there and neither yeah. could I. It was not planned. <laughs> I, I totally knew I, you were going to go there. Cause I that's didn't. what I was gone. <laughs> I didn't. I'm like, no stealing her unless I have yes. nothing vibrator. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's nothing per se about Liv Tyler. I'm sure she gets plenty of dick. I mean, right? <laughs> Well, before the Botox. <laughs> All right. She looks um, nothing like the girl I used to jack off to in the Aerosmith. <laughs> will, will this be a blooper? It's really, uh, it's on the fence. It's, it's kind of dark for us, even for blooper territory. 
Um, anything more about other than Liv Tyler being ugly? <laughs> Reload. I just want to throw out, we didn't say anything about the purple pants. I don't know if you care about the purple pants. Aha, uh-huh, groan. No, I know. There's so much of that. Yeah, right? nah, I'm okay with that. Okay. It. All right. I, I was asking for Arnie's sake. <laughs> I appreciate it. Arnie's got 10 pages on the purple pants, Joe. <laughs> you never know. He could. Reload. I'm just happy it puts a whole new spin on 13 going on 30 now that it's the Hulk and Electra. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully we get that crossover someday. Yeah, not one that I go to when I think of Ruffalo, but you're right. He was in that. It's what I know him best for. He was great in that. <laughs> I don't even know if you're kidding or not. Thriller, Maddie. Thriller. Not. <laughs> you never know. I, was he in PCU? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Zach Penn wrote PCU. <laughs> you missed an opportunity to bring that up, Arnie. Why don't we just do PCU next week? <laughs> Iron Man 2. Let's, we're going to do PCU. <laughs> you guys will love it, and you just don't know it. Oh, I've seen it, so I know I won't. <laughs> <laughs> How can you hate that movie? How can you hate PCU? Uh, that's different from loving it, by the way. <laughs> not hating not hating something and loving it very different for me. But yes. I don't know. I might love it. I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing no. Well but I could be wrong. <laughs> we won't find out. We are gonna do Iron Man 2. Reload.